Yeah, that, that, that's a good, good question. I, I would say that um, most of the designs that we end up with are, um, are fairly uh, intuitive at some level. That, that's usually not good enough, you know, to, to do really rigorous uh, engineering optimization and, uh, and, and uh, to, to sort of identify the best design parameters and so on. But, but it does provide a good starting point. You can kind of, you know, guess at what kind of layout and what types of materials are going to work together. You have to think about interface mechanics tend to be uh, a dominating consideration. And in many cases, those aspects of these systems can't be uh, modeled effectively because, you know, some of the surface chemistry is not well known. And in, in many cases as well, you know, you have a pretty good idea of the constitutive properties of the materials, but they depend on processing history and, and other, you know, aspects that are sometimes difficult to, to quantify. But, but I think, uh, you know, an empirical kind of intuitive approach is a good starting point, you know, in, in many of these cases, but, but it can't be the end point. So, so that's why, you know, analytical and computational modeling is, is so important because it can take you from that initial guess at an at optimized design and then help to refine it. And sometimes those refinements are subtle, just changing the, you know, radius of curvature of a particular serpentine feature or moving, you know, uh, you know, a, a silicon component from one place to another be, to avoid a stress concentration, for example. And, and many of those kinds of subtleties are not immediately apparent. They're not intuitive, but, uh, but they can be captured by, by modeling. Um, I, I'll give you one example of something that, that for me was non-intuitive and, and was uh, sort of revealed by uh, analytical modeling. And that, that has to do with... Um, you know, relatively recent uh, effort for us, which is uh, involving the addition of uh, winged flight to small-scale microsystems technologies, so very, very small integrated circuit chips, radios, uh, digital biosensors, and so on, where our goal is to take some of our body-integrated uh, sensor technologies and uh, reformulate them or adapt them for application in environmental monitoring, let's say monitoring the characteristics of the atmosphere or uh, properties of groundwater, for example, or the or the soil, and 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 in thinking about that, one one big challenge is how do you um, disperse small devices over large areas and and volumes? You know, how how do you go from just you know manually placing devices at different places on the body to deploying those devices at scales of like a cubic mile or something like that? If you want to monitor the atmosphere and. Uh, we, we thought about different strategies for doing that, and, and one uh, scheme that's particularly appealing for us is to um, use bio-inspired ideas uh, that uh, you know, evolution has, has arrived at uh, for seed dispersal in, in the plant world. You're thinking about you know, a microchip as something you want to disperse in conceptually the same way that a tree wants to disperse genetic material, you know, that, that kind of thing. And, uh, thinking about, you know, how maple seeds are designed to uh, develop this kind of helicopter-like motion dur during, um, during a free fall. And, um, you know, in such a way that, that the uh, terminal velocities are reduced to ex extend the engagement of the seed with, uh, you know, patterns of uh, airflow, wind, wind that, can, that can aid in, in the dispersal. And so we've developed ways to add very tiny wings to uh, microchip technologies. And uh, we can design those wings at least as a starting point with this kind of uh, intuitive design approach. You know, you think about like how the wings need to be configured to create this helicopter-like uh, motion. In those kinds of, uh, and that's, that's a reasonable starting point. It doesn't get you to, you know, the ultimate 
you know, optimized, you know, flight, flight dynamics, but it is a, a good starting point. But the other consideration in those kinds of devices is you want them to be as low cost as possible so that you can economically think realistically about deploying thousands of devices. So that means for any kind of semiconductor device technology, you want to make the devices as small as possible because the cost is in many cases scaling with the overall size. And so you want to make passive flyer structures inspired by wind dispersed seeds, but at size scales that are much smaller than seeds, much smaller than a maple seed. And, and then the question is like, how small can you, can you go? And, and, um, you know, where, where does the scaling sort of, sort of break down? And, uh, we have ways to create these, uh, three-dimensional wing structures and add them to an integrated, uh, circuit chip, uh, for example, at any length scale, almost any length scale. So submicron, we can even, even generate wings at that scale. But, but what turned out to be the case, and this is maybe a little bit intuitive, non-intuitive at the time, but maybe if you think about it, maybe it does make sense, which is that um, you can achieve this kind of controlled helicopter-type flight, flight dynamics for certain size scales, but below a particular um, uh, length scale, everything just drops like a sphere. And there's very little aerodynamic advantage to adding wings when the overall structure size is less than about a millimeter. And we wouldn't have, uh, well, I wouldn't have immediately guessed that, but that was something that, that came as a result of a combined effort in experimental studies using wind, wind tunnels and computational modeling to capture, you know, the aerodynamics of how these wings engage with air during free fall at these very small size scales. And that was maybe a little bit surprising, something that, you know, came up uh, fa fairly recently in, in, a, in a new project area for us.